Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good morning, everybody. Keith over here, broadcasting live from Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida. And I have around the uh, table in studio with me, I'm just going to call you the UWF Cyber Champions of Awesomeness. <laughs> Is that fair enough? Sure. So please uh, introduce yourself. Uh, Anthony Pinto. I'm a faculty member at UWF Computer Science Department and involved in the Cybersecurity Center, teach courses and do a lot of other extracurricular community events, things like that. And you love computers, I hear. I just love them. I heard they're your favorite. Yeah. What was your first computer? Just curious. Curious. Like Commodore 64? Uh, I had an Epson. My brother worked for Epson, oh, so it was an Epson. Way back in the day, huh? Yeah. Very cool. Right. Go for it, man. Uh, <clears throat> John Bartlow. I'm a senior at UWF cybersecurity major, the president of our cybersecurity club. Yeah. All right. So you just said, I'm really good at this one day? or No, quite the opposite. I uh, I spent six years as a philosophy and classics major, just bouncing around a couple different schools. Uh-huh. And then one day I got tired of reading books. Yeah. It's a lot of theory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I switched over to cybersecurity after that. Yeah, that's better than Sanskrit. <laughs> yes, awesome. Well, welcome, both of you. Hey, I'm Iman Al-Sheikh. I'm director for the Center for Cybersecurity at UWF. You are like the head cyber honcho, aren't you? We, we get to do all the fun stuff. Yeah. So, okay, so when we got in, we were talking um, before the show uh, about social media and stuff, and, and I noticed... Your awareness of cybersecurity is probably 150 times higher than the average person. Is this true? Do you think? Yes. I would hope so. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, we would hope so too, right? But tell me what it's like to live in that world because you see all of us walking around every day sort of nonchalantly about stuff, but yet you pointed out probably three or four things walking in here that are already on my radar of like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that, right? Yeah, I mean, we just think that way. You know, it's just part of, you know, so much about how computers work and how easy they are to break into. And, you know, you hear people talk, you go to conferences, you, you learn about social engineering and all that stuff that it's almost like second nature. I don't even really think of living in that world. It's just my life. Right. It's yeah. like not putting your hand on the hot stove. Kind right. Of thing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So. Okay, so but let's face it, it's really not that easy. Otherwise, no. this award wouldn't be so cool, right? Right. Because you guys, tell me exactly what you did and how you did it. If you for can the, for the competition, yeah. So we went down to Tampa, Florida, for the Florida Center for Cybersecurity's third annual conference. This year, they had a challenge for us. Uh, they brought in several other colleges in addition to UWF and some other non-collegiate teams. And no, we don't care about them. You guys won. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all that matters. But uh, we we're tasked with network defense essentially. So we, we sat there on a virtual network that we connected to with our computers and we were told that, okay, this is our network. This is a business and you're about to be under attack. You know, so, so the competition organizers launched a series of automated attacks against us, you know, things like you know, DNS spoofing, uh, in map scan, just basic attacks. And okay. We were but, it, to- but in English, like that's like the stuff we <laughs> see in the news every day, right? Sony gets their stuff hacked and their music gets out. The, the, Target gets hacked and all their information is gone. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, from there, our job was to detect what was happening and then report what we saw and how we can fix it. And that's how do you do that? Like, I get it when it's army and it's men and there's people coming over the hill and there's explosions going on, right? But 
you guys are looking at numbers and 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 bleeps, right? I mean, that's essentially how it gets read. Am I correct? Uh, to, to an extent, the, there are a lot of tools that exist that make things a lot easier for us. You know, so instead of having just to look at just raw bits, you know, ones and zeros, the, there are programs that let us give, you know, let us see what's happening in a much more visual way. So we can see the traffic patterns. We can see exactly who's sending what instead of just one big wall of text. You know, we can draw pictures and all kinds of stuff. Nice. So you knew who it was and where they were coming from, huh? For the most part, yes. Like down to the phone in the car on the corner street that they're driving on, right? Well, no, no, not, not in, quite that In good. theory? In theory. In it theory, sounds yes. cool. Let's theory, go with it. Yeah. Much of the software you can configure to look for signatures per se. So you can set it up to where it'll alert you if it, something's coming through that looks suspicious. Mm-hmm. And then you can use the tool to further investigate it. So it's a lot of tool-based stuff as well. So when you say suspicious, I mean, are we talking like, are these attacks, are they like, algorithms are they certain codes of number are they just different patterns of of the way that the program should be working uh that a lot of that depends on what exactly you're looking for for example um a network scan so if you're sitting there on your network and you see that someone from a computer is launching a scan on all the machines in your within your network yeah something that's about, suspicious right you know, why there's no reason for anyone to be that's like that hollywood sense. stuff right that's 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 ground level yes that's that's yeah. it's pretty basic but that, okay. that's that's an example okay so what are some of the other things that they were using as far as attacks? Like what, I guess what I'm getting at is what makes an attack, right? Cause for me, and, and I'm coming from the completely layman's side here, but we did I 10 stuff and I watched these guys do the same thing. And what we saw on the, on the board were just some dots coming from, you know, Russia or the Ukraine or whatever, not really understanding. I'm like, it looked like, uh, the old movie with Matthew, uh, Broderick. Uh, war, war games. games. Yes, yeah. that's what it looked like, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? You know, it's like Pong, right? With Atari, you just get the paddle under the way. But what you guys are seeing is completely different. Yes. Yeah. So what makes that up, what you guys are seeing? So the the map you're talking about is produced by a company called Norse. It's Norse Force or something like that anyway. But uh, Norse Maps is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they take different types of attacks and do a visual representation. So you see... You know, the, the little Pong thing you see launched from right. one area to another. That's just saying, hey, we detected this kind of attack coming from this IP address going to this IP address. Uh, an example of that would be that scan I was talking about a little bit ago. It's just a general network scan that just checks all the machines on the network looking for open ports, for example. Okay. You know, so that, that's kind of what that... So it's, 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 it's a piece of program that somebody's written that when it gets where it's supposed to go, it interacts some way that just rapes the information off the computer, basically. You're, yeah, you're looking for unusual things that are happening. Right. Um, for example, you may see where one of your computers is sending information out to another computer out there on the web, but there's no reason for it to go to that IP or for that computer to be sending anything. So that may be something where they've installed like a, a shell, reverse shells, right. it's called. So now that's reporting back. So they have direct access. But you can see that. It's like, why is that mail server going to that website? It shouldn't be going there. It right. shouldn't be going there. So those are the kind of things that the software notices, or if you look at logs or you watch as traffic's coming through, there's ways to monitor traffic and, and highlight things like that. What's what's going on there? Why is that happening? And you can investigate that. So that's one type of attack. So you guys have you guys have a lot of human interaction with this, right? Because it's not just the tools is what I'm yeah. hearing. There's There's – patterns and things that have to be analyzed yes. constantly, right? Yes. So it takes a lot of practice. And I think John is being 
humble about. You know, I think the, he the is too. Routine. I think this is. Uh, they practice yeah. a lot, and you know they prepare for things like this both in the as part of the curriculum, but also kind of as part of the cyber team. And so, you know, what he what he's not mentioning is that they beat beat the University of Florida, the University of South Florida, the University of Cent- yes. Central Anybody Florida. Anybody kills the Gators, uh, I'm with you, dude. In the process, as, along with uh, as he mentioned, some non collegiate teams as well. And so that speaks a lot about the kind of level of preparation that yeah. the students have. And so. I guess if, if I can jump in, I wanted to ask John, like, what do you feel helped you prepare for competitions like this? Hard work. I guess the only way to, to answer that question, the, the, at UWF, we were given a lot of information on the theoretical side of things. You know, were taught what to look for, you know, how, what, what, what a computer is doing when something like this shows up. But um, as far as actually doing it, that's not something you can really teach in class. That's something you have to actually sit down and do. Yeah. So taking the instruction that we get from our wonderful teachers, like Mr. Pinto over here, uh, oh, you see what he did that. there? You see that? That's a good kid. Uh, I, I <laughs> he's in my class this semester. <laughs> and he's, he's the one that shows you where the start semester. button is, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonus points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just 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 hard work. Taking what we learn in class and then applying it through competition yeah. is the best way we can learn something like this. The only way you can learn something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So how much of the theory actually translates? A lot? Um, for the For the competition, yes, a lot of it did. Yeah. Again, it's uh, Mr. Pinto was talking. He was 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 speaking about noticing patterns and noticing odd things happening. It, you can't notice something you know, that's that's acting strangely if you don't know what it's supposed to look like. Sure. If you don't know what a printer is supposed to be doing. You can't tell when a printer is sending information out to the outside world, which is one of the things we saw in the competition. Yeah. Things like that. So you have you have lots of code like memorized in your head, don't you? Oh, not uh, at all. Uh, I hate programming. I hate code. It's but, the worst thing in the world. Okay, so it doesn't so. Well, I guess, okay, so, but you have lots of patterns up there, right? Yes. Yeah, of things that should not be. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of cool. So, which is really neat because in a creative mind sort of way, that is uh, uh, one of the skills that um, my children have very well. They're very good with patterns and recognition and that kind of stuff, which is probably what draws them to things like this. Yeah, and that's something that's so important in this field is that, um, you know, the tools continue to change so they mentioned they use tools but the tools the technologies this is one of the fastest moving fields out there if not the fastest moving field and so it's really important to have that grounding in theory but it's also important like you're saying to have that critical thinking and problem solving focus and so i mean that's an approach that we take in all of our curricular and extracurricular activities is how to make sure that what the students are doing focuses on solving problems and how do you analyze that how do you kind of use your your mind and your critical thinking skills to really kind of find solutions as opposed to just kind of learning what the tools do. Yeah, I guess you take it for granted as you get older, though. But a lot of times in my generation, maybe even yours too, but problem solving was never sort of broken down in that way that it's done through the tech and the the cyber side of things, where you're formulating and, and doing some theory, but you're also analyzing uh, situations before moving forward, right? Or even reverse engineering some stuff like that. Um not skills I don't ever remember being taught that way. I learned those sort of reading the leadership books or something later. Yeah, I feel now it's become the needs become where we need to reverse sure. that and start that as early as possible, even in elementary school uh, or before that, because sometimes you've got to bring so many different skills to the problems that you can't just attack it from one perspective. Yeah. And so if you focus on this, the problem, that'll help you identify kind of what you need to bring to it, including kind of different perspectives, whether it's theory, whether it's math, whether it's visualization, whether it's pattern analysis and things that you can do to help solve it as a team as well. 
that's another part I think of important of what the cyber club does is the teamwork skills is critical, um, not just in competitions, but also that translates, I think, to jobs, right? Because there's very few jobs out there where you can now work on your own or kind of in, on your, in your own little cubby right. working in isolation. A lot of it's going to require teamwork. Um, Human interaction. And, and exactly. Huh? Communication. Awesome. So it's important for them to get that real life skill. So does the, does everybody in your team have the same skills or do you all work off strengths and weaknesses? Strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, some of us have more experience than others dealing with computers. We have a couple of people that actually worked in, you know, served in the military working in IT. So they have a lot more experience with, with general network. Big red buttons. Than we do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Big red buttons. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, one of the gentlemen who's part of our, our group here, uh, Greg, has done a lot of that stuff too. And when he starts talking, that, I just, it amazes me. So, but I do like the fact that, um, a lot of people probably have the conception of oh, if you do one thing computer or one thing tech, it's all the same, right? But it's really not. And even though you guys are all doing cyber defense, you have strengths and weaknesses within each other. And to watch the systematic formation of people that can grasp that and build a team that way is really neat. And I say that because as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, the sooner you learn to collaborate and the sooner you realize what you're weak in, is the second you can start being successful by finding somebody who can complement that, right? And that's a huge lesson these days a lot of people miss. Yeah. Cybersecurity is a fairly diverse field. It's getting to the point where doctors specialization in larger organizations where you'll have people that just do firewall stuff or right. you'll have people that just do uh, intrusion detection systems. You know what I mean? It's some larger organizations. So there's a lot of specialization and you need collaboration because if I intrusion detection person sees something. Well, he has to refer that to somebody else in the firewall. Hey, are you seeing this? Why is this getting through that kind of thing? Okay. Maybe we have an incident response team that has to be contacted. So there's certainly a lot of interplay in large organizations and large government organizations. So yeah, that's critical. What we do at UWF is kind of teach all the core skills <clears throat> so that you understand a really broad base of how computers work. Mm -hmm. Cause you got to understand that before you can, secure them so that our students can move from job to job and understand the bigger picture. And that helps them also move into management later too. And that's one of the things I try to tell them. Yeah. You can work in this field maybe without a degree, but it's difficult to go into management or to understand the larger picture. If you don't have a solid computer science background. Right. So. And ultimately at the end of the day, it's all people, right? No matter yes. how many computers you have, nothing can prepare you for social engineering, right? That's the term. That's, the I mean, you can do as much security as you want, but somebody comes in and hits the wrong button or puts it in the wrong slot or downloads, whatever Trojan horse or whatever. I mean, it's over, right? Like there it goes. So that's the biggest toll is people. Yeah. That's why education and training is so important uh, for everyone, not just for those in the field. Because yeah. if you, like you just mentioned, I mean, if you look at it, you could, no matter how secure your systems are, how strong your networks and your defense strategies are all it takes is one user who doesn't know what he's doing or accidentally does something and, yeah. and that could trigger you know major attack or major breach and so i think it's important for people to kind of you know think about how each one each individual in the in the community can actually take a role in kind of being yeah we have a responsibility don't we exactly i think so because if you look at even kind of the major attack that we saw uh, last month that kind of took down the internet across the country. 
that was spurred by, you know. Is that the one that took Cox out here for a little while? I think we were part of it. It was certainly a lot more prevalent on the West Coast and then oh, the Northeast. But like it did affect a telephone networks pole or something. the networks are all connected. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at things like that and it's really because there's su- such an abundance of devices at home that are non-secure. People buy things, they hook them up, they don't think about yes, the security of The those. Internet of Things, exactly, right? Exactly, The new right. nests and in your thermostats and... Right. So, uh, what so, was the other one? It was like a camera or something, there right? There were cameras, there were baby monitors, there were all sorts of devices that kind of contributed to that, you know, people, hackers could get into them because they weren't secure and they were able to launch a, you know, distributed denial of service attack that affected the nationwide yeah. uh, internet. So that's scary, right? Because we're that connected. So do you still know how to like light a fire with rubbing two sticks? Yes. Yeah. You still got like the Boy Scout skills? I was a Boy Scout yeah. Scoutmaster. For yeah, me too. So, because uh, one of the best things I heard is the only way to protect yourself is just unplug, right? I mean, that's that is truly the abstinence is the best policy, right? We are all nodding around the table. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. yeah, for those in Radio Land that can't hear all of our heads rattle, it's, that there it is. It's kind of the balance between convenience and security. Yeah, that we we have to master. You know, it's always too convenient. It's unsecure. Too secure. It's not convenient. Yeah. So, one of the big issues with the Internet of Things is because these devices are s- somewhat limited on what they can do. They don't have a lot of resources to do cybersecurity. So that's a large issue. We actually have a faculty member at UWF that's doing research in that area. And they're finding that, that it's even if they want to add security, it's difficult. You can't do a lot of encryption and other things. on Because you need, you need the, the proce- human capital. Well, you need the processing power in the device. Ah. You know, like a home monitor or something like that, that's fine. But it using all its resources to do its job, it doesn't have resources to set up a good firewall, to do encryption on its traffic and that kind of thing. So There's not like an app for that or something? <laughs> like I thought we were past that kind of stuff, right? I mean, we, no, we've gone from the what problem. the 20-ton supercomputer to more stuff in my phone than it took to launch the space shuttle, right, right. and put the men on the moon. But it's still limited. It's a finite amount of resources in a device. It can only do so much. That's job security right there, there right? I guess. So how long till we all just move into like fingerprint and retina scanner stuff where we can just secure it to each human? I mean, look at how far we've come. I mean, look yeah. at what we're, where we were five years ago, 10 years ago. It's def- definitely a different world. And so I think it just comes back to back, you know, that responsibility and that awareness factor for everyone, because we're certainly moving in a digital um, age. And uh, like Anthony just mentioned, a lot of times, the security isn't factored in, whether it's because the resources aren't there or whether because the companies just want to get products out there. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times that's not their core con- concern. As or well. they don't even know, right? It's the secure- yeah, exactly. the, the security. Yeah. So, um, you know, so just being responsible, I think, and aware could, I think, help uh, avoid a lot of uh, attacks sure. and uh, breaches. Um, if you think about it, like when, you know, you're buying, you know, the other day I was looking at toothbrushes and they were all, uh, you know, Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi enabled. And I'm thinking... Can I just get a plain toothbrush? And a toothbrush? <laughs> awesome. It's going to tell me like how many times I need to brush my teeth right, a day or right. something. Right, you know, so I think it's kind of a, for me, it comes down to that level in terms of deciding what devices I really need to be connected. Yeah. How many more mothers sure, do I need today? <laughs> yeah. Making sure they're secure and kind of what devices I can afford to kind of stay offline with. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, when you got into this and, and you started realizing my brain works this way and it works really well, right? Because let's face it, not everybody in the population can calculate this way. Like, where did your head go? What, what, where, because to me, like knowing that I've got that kind of skill, like you've got the ability to really 
change a lot of things, maybe make a big dent quickly because of the platform that you're on. Right. So where do your aspirations lead after just dominating this competition and, and, you know, doing the UWF thing? Like you're going to write like the next best retinal scanner ever MI5 kind of stuff or what? <laughs> no, I, I, he's I'm thinking not, about not, it. Yeah, though. You yeah, see it. You so, see him so smiling. <laughs> Uh, for, for, I have a lot of members of my family serve, serve in the armed forces mm-hmm. at the moment. That I think is something that I'm very interested in, not necessarily serving myself, but working for the department of defense, working for a contract to help further the mission of the men and women in uniform. So that's what I want to do. I want to, to be the guy that protects the drone traffic and you know, the ones that keeps the service you know, men's families safe while they're on deployment. That's they got all the cool do. toys, man. I, exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's the real draw. They have all the cool toys. Exactly. So um, uh, speaking of drones, because we use one here when we do some filming and stuff um, outside and other projects that we work on. But one of the things that we have noticed is that it's very easily, not necessarily hackable, but you can interfere with it very quickly, right? And then that made me start thinking about, like I said earlier, the more technologically advanced we get, the more primitive you are, right? So there's a piece of paper over the camera now. There's a piece of paper over the cameras on the computers in the other room. And it's just one of these sort of simple things. But I think it gives you a, a sign. People, we live in fear of this stuff because we don't understand it. Would you agree? I think we also live in fear of it because we understand it. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next point, right? So I'm scared because I don't know. You're scared because you do know, and then you're pointing things out, and then I'm getting more scared because I don't know what you know. But it it all is there. Do you guys see on the horizon a way to sort of um, alleviate some of that? Because I think that's really the struggle with some of these just common users is the fear and the not understanding. How do we take one zero zero one and relate it to don't have a Facebook account? Yeah. Um- I don't think you need to go that far. <laughs> I, I try to kind of relate it to, if you think about, I have a house and I want to keep insects out. So I do things to do that. But it's almost impossible for me to say I'm never going to allow another insect in my house. I was going to ask if that was working for you, because if it is, I need his number. Right. right? And that's not possible. And it's the same kind of thing. You're never going to block every possible attack. So you just do your due diligence and you have backup plans. You back stuff up. You know, you, you do your... uh do you put it in the cloud? You can. Yeah. I mean, the cloud can get hacked too, but at least it's backed up there. So you back things up and you don't worry about it too much. The banks have control. If somebody steals your money, they're going to give you it back. You know, that kind of thing. Unless that gets hacked and the whole system no, goes to I crap, mean, right? Cause it's all goes. just numbers at this point, right? So, but uh, I, I guess, and I, and I say that all jokingly and sort of fun and apocalyptic, but that is the absolute honest truth, right? Somebody could at some point intercept some of these things and, Shut down half of the nation, whether it be power grids or it's possible, but there's a lot of backups. And I mean, the people that are doing this stuff aren't stupid either. So they know about these things and they back things up and have redundant systems and build virtual machines that if something's going on, that shuts down and a new one spins up. So there's a lot of technology to prevent those types of yeah. catastrophic things from happening. You know, so I, I just don't like the end of the world kind of. You know, yes, the really Hollywood worried. synopsis. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get there because I think there's a lot of things in place. and You just have to be intelligent and smart and try to mitigate as much as possible. Yeah, A lot of the cybersecurity experts even say there's really no such thing as security. You know, you sure. just like virus scanners are fine, but if they want to get in, it's like buying a new car. If it's a brand new car with tons of security, the kid next door isn't going to steal your car. 
But if an organized crime uh, car theft ring wants that car, they probably know how to get yeah. it. Yeah. So it's just sort of going to happen, right? Yeah. If that's the level that somebody wants to. So you, know, you just have to live in that in that world, unfortunately, now if we want all the conveniences that we have. You got to be honest, though. You've totally entertained the zombie apocalypse plan, haven't you? No. No? I thought for sure. I'm not a zombie. <laughs> it's great entertainment. <laughs> it is, though, right? Like, you just think, okay, well, what if happens? So my daughters do. They've got the list and everything They because they've watched too much Walking Dead. But uh, where do you find uh, or do you find in some of this stuff? I have heard that in order to be a defender, you have to be a very good attacker, right? You have to know both sides of this. Do you find in... Uh, either attacking or defending, are there viable products that can come out of this? Are there viable pieces of code that can come out to help the rest of sort of mankind? Or is it sort of every coder for himself or every cyber defense for themselves? Well, well, sure. I mean, research is done. I I teach it, and John's in the class, an ethical hacking and pen testing class that we teach as part of our curriculum. So it teaches students how to hack ethically because there mm-hmm. are pen testing firms and even firms have internal people that do that but also like you said how do i know how to defend if i don't think like an attacker right and as people learn more about attacking and defense gets tougher and tougher it's much harder to attack systems now than it was several years two or three years ago five years ago ten years ago so they learn new and different ways that computers are vulnerable um you know like a few years ago, there, there was nothing about ransomware. Now you hear about ransomware mm-hmm. all the time. So new technologies are coming in, new encryptions. A lot of research is being done in this idea. Yeah, my favorite's the one that tells you to call Microsoft Windows to fix your web browser, right? And then you get some guy on the phone who clearly wants you to go buy some target cards and cash them out for him. So, yeah, um, like Anthony's saying, I think a lot of companies now are, are investing in yeah. kind of attack units and kind of threat, you know, offense strategies because you've got to, the more you understand that, the better you can defend um, your systems. And so, I, you know, in the education world, there's a, a big debate about should we t- be teaching hacking? Should we be, should we not be teaching this? And I think to me, it always comes down to like our approach where we focus on ethical mm-hmm. uh, offense strategies because I do believe that students are better prepared if they understand the flip side of it, right? Because oh, if you're defending and you don't know what's coming at you, um, and that goes beyond kind of the technical aspects that goes into kind of the human factors and kind of behavior analysis for hacking and attacks as well in terms of being able to tell what's coming at you before yeah. it even is recognizable as an attack. Um, but also making sure that we're always, always stressing, you know, ethics and, you know, policies and kind of guidelines in terms of how that information or those tools and technologies should be used. Yeah, and I've seen a lot more too is with just with some of the companies or and, and actually individuals who are as opposed to it being the next piece of equipment or the next fire scanner or the next software, it's actually the face to face interaction, training, social engineering, as we've said, of really what your part is in making sure that this stays safe from here on out. Which I think is is very neat because you wouldn't see that three, five years ago. I don't think. Yeah, I mean just the extend on that one of the biggest attacks now is spear phishing attacks well they'll target you you got such cool names as a, man like a, stinks. a radio host or uh, a lawyer or something or a business owner and they'll send you a resume you know something that you sure. read all the time but inside that file is a virus or 
uh, something to create a shell or something like that or something that's going to ransomware or brick your system. And so, you don't even know it's been installed, right? right? But what happens is they're expecting they craft that email in such a way that you're going to click on it, you know, because you want to. It's either a good idea or just something that emotionally stirs you for the second. I mean, I've seen it where uh, a, a friend in one of the business, they sent them something that said he was being investigated by his, by the agency. We've gotten the lawyer ones in the mails that have done that. It, and this guy was very smart, but he clicked on it and it bricked his laptop. Yeah. Fortunately, he wasn't connected to his work network and there wasn't anything he hadn't had backed up. So it wasn't a big deal, but still, it was just they got that emotion Mm -hmm. and they scared him for just long enough to have him click on it. Mm -hmm. So they're very smart about that. And that's what people have to be aware of. Be careful. Know who it's coming from and check things before you just click links. We got a letter in the mail that looked like it was from a legitimate local lawyer. And in it, it said, you know, you're being sued for this, this, and this. You need to go to this link and, and file whatever. Luckily, we called the law office. And, of course, they were like, no, it's absolutely not us. But I was like, okay, so now we're using old school snail mail to get people. And, and you, you don't even see it coming, right? You know, I'm a pretty smart guy sometimes. So I was like, this looks a little weird. But I can imagine most people would be like, oh, my gosh, what's going on, right? Yeah, when you get emotional, you don't think as clearly. Right. Yeah. And if they can stir some emotion, then you're going to react and do something maybe that's not quite rational. And we're all like that. If you yeah. send me the right type of thing, I may click on. So okay. So on that note, are you like you're like the Zen master when you're doing this stuff for multiple hours at a time, aren't you? The a lot of that depends on the competition. You know, yeah. For, for the most part, they're all between four and eight hours. There are ones that extend up to forty eight hours, but for the most part, four hours oh, is pretty is pretty common. But yeah, no, but we, we, when, when we go into a competition, we know that we're going to be attacked. We know what's coming for the most part. Yeah. I mean, not the specific. These are like cool hand Luke the whole time, huh? Yeah, well, we have to be. I mean, if we get too excited or too emotional, we're, we're, we, there's always a chance that we could miss something. And in the kind, in the kind, in the kind of competition where every single detail matters, we can't afford to miss anything. Yeah. So we have to be calm and cool about things. So I'd never realized that either because you're right. I'd never put two and two together. You know, most, when I was watching the competition at I-10, I was like, man, these guys aren't moving. They're like just literally just sitting there staring at the screen and, and typing. But you have to remove all of that emotion. I guess you're right. You've got split second decisions to make. And if you get too involved, it's gone. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so what's coming up with the um, campus over the next couple of days or months? So I know this is not where it ends, right? You've got like one more grand championship or something, don't you? The, not for this semester. This oh, semester you get, to, you get to retire the title for the year, Absolutely, huh? thankfully. Nice. Yeah, 2016 was a good year, I guess. But uh, coming up for, for us anyway, Cyberthon is coming up in January. I let my illustrious colleagues over here speak a yeah. little more about that. So I, gotta, I do have to ask, how big is the trophy? Uh, no trophy for this one. Yeah, just bragging just, just rights. Bragging rights. Just bragging rights. Oh, that's good. That's good. We're gonna make you a trophy. That's what we should do. We that, should make you a trophy. That, that works for me. Statewide bragging rights isn't isn't yeah, that? That's bad. not a bad deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So Cyberthon, we've got lots. Oh, always lots cooking up at uh, UWF, and certainly cyber. Our cyber activities continue to grow. So, um, just this June, uh, the we the university was designated as the National Center of Academic Excellence by yeah. the National Security Agency and the Department of Homeland Security. So that's a huge deal for us because it really kind of speaks to the quality of our program as well as the quality of our faculty and our research and our outreach. 
Um, it, it's a designation that's held by less than 5% of higher education yeah, institutions in the, Congratulations. in the country. Thank you. So, you are two key players for that, right? You've been there for 13 and 14, 15 years? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's huge. She's just like casually going over it. Like, that's huge, yeah, right? Three, 5%. That's like a, not that many. <laughs> it was a three-year endeavor to get that. Yeah. Of all the hoops and requirements you have to do and map your curriculum to what they tell you. Yeah. And then it changes all tomorrow, right? Because the um, technology changes that it fast. Doesn't, the, the core stuff really doesn't change as fast as people think. But one of the things that she didn't mention is when students graduate from that program, they get the designation on their transcripts and their their diploma, and then employers know about that. So they know what kind of education. They kind of know what these students know. Yeah, because that's a huge gap. I know yes. that. We've got some CSRA guys in here, and obviously some of the, the other operations, Northrop Grumman, mm-hmm. the sort of military, like men in black kind of cool stuff. But yeah. Not having that kind of, I mean, it's a huge skill. Yeah, that designation by the NSA and DHS is really the gold star in cybersecurity yeah. education. So like Anthony was saying, a lot of the employers and certainly government agencies and uh, military organizations recognize that and look for students with that expertise because it's a sig- sign of kind of the quality of the preparation. And um, it's something that Anthony said was a huge team effort. A lot of hard work went into it over yeah. the years. And it's something that we, just because we received it doesn't mean we kind of sit back and relax. So we're continually continuously looking at what's new in the cybersecurity f- field and making sure that our curricula uh, addresses that and yeah. aligns with that. Do you all get, do you get audited on it so throughout we, yeah, the year? So we get annual reviews as well wow. as kind of a, every five year to make sure kind of a more detailed review. But um, even without that, we're always still looking because this is a field where you can't really afford to fall behind. There's so yeah. much happening both on the education, on the research side. So it's important for us to kind of have that designation, but also through that to be able to say that we're going to continue to keep our curricula up to date and as well as our facilities. So we're working also on expanding our cybersecurity battle lab um, into a range facility, a cyber range facility where we could host our own competitions that would be additional practice for um, our students, but also could be part of outreach activities where we would reach out to schools, we'd reach out to partners in the community and be able to host those types of training uh, and competition exercises. Very good. So I had to say, for those that are protecting the country and all the big secrets, I'm glad they're coming from the top 5%, right? That's that's what we want. So Yes. Um, one, one of the advantages of having that also is we have a liaison with the NSA now. They actually came down to talk earlier this year in October, and, and we have a direct line for our students like John, for example. You got a bat phone? Kind of, yeah. where he said you know, he would make sure if we had good students, he would make sure that the resumes are seen by the right people and sure. that kind of thing so we, which is huge because yeah. those guys are not easy to get in front of right no. yeah and so you know those types of things are a pretty big advantage we're really pretty happy about that kind of stuff. yeah so i would think as a potential student somebody wanting to learn or get into this field that would be a huge seller for me knowing that i've got a connection to get into a very very decent job right i mean uh, probably one of the last fields of the government industry that actually pays really, really, really well, right? And and competes with the private sector, I'm sure. But uh, knowing that would definitely be beneficial if that was something you know I would think that would do. Of course, I'm probably like you. Yeah, I'd take philosophy and all that stuff for a couple of years and just hang out. I wish I had stayed a couple more years in mine, but they didn't have any classes left. <laughs> so, um. And then what is the other, so Cyberthon, what's the other competition? Code Fest? 
Code Fest is coming up in April, right. um, and it's more of a kind of weekend long uh, coding competition. It's um, where teams get together, and and it could be teams from UWF, it could be teams from all over. Last year, we had teams that were from uh, Mobile, from other mm-hmm. parts of Florida, and they can kind of develop ideas and kind of work, figure out how to work as a team in order to develop systems to so start right. from A to Z in terms of kind of taking an idea working as a team and developing a final product. And like so, the next best Facebook or the next best way to like Yeah, exactly. And it helps kind of develop all those real world skills and kind of under pressure, figuring out how to work as a team, how to make this happen. And so we're hoping to be able to expand that um, as well. And certainly with Cyberthon, that's coming up in uh, the third week of January, January 20th through the 22nd. And UWF has been uh, a long supporter of Cyberthon as, as uh, facilitated through the AFSIA Blue Angels chapter, but UWF has been happy to support that through the years and it continues to expand every year. So this year, in addition to our UWF team, there's going to be teams, other collegiate teams, high school teams participating, as well as uh, elementary school students who will be there kind of to yeah, observe and learn so cool, cool. Stuff. All young, right? Now, this does not threaten your title, correct? No, not at all. So you get to like cone in at the top of the, the room year, and, and hang out and yell barbaric things. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. There, Very cool. Um, yeah, go ahead. We also have um, the South. Southeast Regional Collegiate Cyber Defense Competition starts in the spring, and it's basically all the universities in the Southeast region compete, and then, like, the top eight go to Kennesaw for the regionals, and I think the top team goes to nationals. So that's a big, like, national championship. Yeah, like war games every other month, man. This oh, yeah. is so cool. Well, and, that, and that's a really nice competition. That's a very red team, blue team, where they set up a network, they attack you, and that kind of thing. Yeah, they do a lot of other things. It's a business process. Besides defending a network, you're a business. You have to do business things. Sure, they make you do both. Right, because the the normal day to day operations still have to run. Right, right? and if you get something down, you got to figure out how to reroute. That's a really well organized. uh, It's a fun event for the students. Way to put like a physical challenge on it. Not only do you have to stop the network, but now we have to figure out how to run these copiers and still print the newspapers or something. Right. I've been a judge in it a couple years. Minnesota to see what it's all about. And that's kind of fun watching the kids scramble. And, you know, they come in the second day. Like sweating bullets. And tell and- them, um, sorry, but last night uh, we had a terrorist attack on the network that wiped everything out. I hope you guys made backups. Start over. <laughs> and then they walk away. <laughs> so if they made backups, it's 15 <laughs> They're like, minutes. yeah, I'm cool. Otherwise, they're like, I hate you guys right now, right? Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Well, it's very neat to hear. Um, congratulations. And and just neat to hear you all being so involved with sort of cultivating the next level of of excellence that really has to happen here because you either stay ahead of the curve or you drown, right? So one foot in front of the other day after day. I think it's really cool that you went and did philosophy and all this other stuff and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this because I like it or I'm good at it. I think that gives people some hope. It's okay to change totally midstream and do something absolutely completely different absolutely and come to uwf be a cybersecurity major and join our club there you go hang out with john there's I hope do, for you yet i you do know? have to say that the club members practice a lot of I it mean, it's on them nobody's really forcing it. they spend sometimes two three days a week after classes four or five o'clock just in the lab practicing different things learning things so, so i got know, a couple of networks we can test yeah I mean, yeah Come on, hang like out with it. us for a little while. And they're really motivated. So, And I totally mean that in a non-threatening way. Oh, cool. <laughs> so um, what is a good place, if anybody wants any more information? Website, web address? 
So the best way uh, to reach us would be on our website, so uwf.edu slash cybersecurity, or they can email cybersecurity at uwf.edu. Um, either way, we've got lots of information on our um, ed- programs, on the Cyber Club, on our upcoming events and activities. Um, and I also want to mention that, because John said, you know, come come study our program, but even for the, you know, the parents out there or younger kids uh, listening in, um, we offered last summer's uh, camps for high school students mm-hmm. as well as workshops for middle and high school teachers that were free because we're, you know, this is such a great community that we're in that there's so much support across the community for really building Northwest Florida and Pensacola to be the next cyber leader in education oh, yeah. and workforce development. So we're thrilled to be part of a community that's so eager and we want to do our part as well. And so we're hoping to run those camps again this coming summer. So I want to encourage everyone to kind of watch our website or contact us for additional information because one of the things we're trying to do is kind of increase interest in cybersecurity. We were talking earlier about awareness. So that starts with kind of early on kids getting interest in kind mm-hmm. of proper cyber hygiene as well as kind of looking at the various career options and also to see that in addition to all the technical and kind of computing aspects in the field, it's actually a very diverse field. There's no matter what you're interested in, whether it's law or psychology or um, government or management, there's a way to kind of relate that to cybersecurity. And there are jobs in those areas. And so we really want to kind of make sure that we keep pushing that uh, pushing that through the community. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like seven or eight movies from like the late 80s, early 90s that like were cool that got me interested in this kind of stuff when they, they, and of course they were all hackers, right? And they were the black hat guys, but you sort of realized like the power that you could do with a keyboard, right? So Tron being one of them, I'm thinking right off the top, you know, the guys breaking into big buildings with one phone, you know, just kind of neat. So, uh, I want to thank all of you for coming out. I hope I haven't been uh, too ridiculous, but I love this subject. It really, for me has been one of those, um, scary but it's there and i think one of the ways uh, i've always been able to sort of deal with it is is to be very humorous with it to an extent because if you start getting into the fear of what really could happen it's just not going to be healthy right and it's not going to help solve any of the problems so um but i'm very very proud of of what you all are doing and uh congratulations i think you all should be very proud of of kicking butt well, thank you keep it up that. don't lose it next year right We'll do our You're best. only as good as your last attack, right? Absolutely. That's it. Okay, you guys, you can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook, or you can find us on our website at pensacola.businessradiox.com. This has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters. Mm-hmm.